millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Geta Zawelin. I am a contributor to the JackCast, the Swansea City podcast. Uh, you can find us at the JackCast if you're looking on Twitter. Hi, I'm Zach Forster. I'll be representing Liverpool today, and you can find me on Twitter at Zach Forster underscore AI. Yeah, hi, I'm Jake. I support Newcastle. I write for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football, and you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. And uh, Gitto, we'll start off with Swansea. I think many people would love to understand how you already just named Alan Curtis your manager till the end of the season, and then just a few days later... Brought on a new man, Gwydalyn, not sure how you say that, to also be manager. How do you see that working out for Swansea? Who knows? Absolutely who knows. It is complete uncharted territory for us. Um, It's been a bit bizarre the last week. Um, We, uh, well, going back a a little bit further, when Curtis was appointed, it's fair to say that people were underwhelmed. But then again, um, we'd been searching for a month for a manager scoured the globe and found nobody who wanted the job so we just gave it to Curtis because he'd done a decent job really as a caretaker uh, and steadied the ship a bit um, but he'd never really struck any of us as the kind of guy that was in any way interested in being a manager he's just this guy that every club has a club legend who will just take over anything you want them to do if you want them to coach take over the academy make the tea he'll do it and um, this time he was asked to be manager um, sadly, his first two games as as permanent manager, or at least you know manager until the end of the season, um, were really really bad results for us. Um, he got things badly wrong in the FA Cup match against Oxford, which we discussed last time, and then um, the Sunderland match. Uh, we we certainly weren't helped by possibly the well. I, if if I'm honest, if there is a worse refereeing performance this season in the Premier League. Um, that that guy should be sacked and never ever allowed to referee a match again. Um, it was uh, an inexperienced ref, Graham Scott, who was managing just refereeing just his uh, fourth Premier League game ever, um, and uh, it showed because he just could not cope with the game at all. Made several poor decisions along with his uh, assistants. Um, uh, there were two offside goals for Jermaine Defoe, which he allowed, and then the worst red card decision of the season for Kyle Norton, uh, an absolute travesty. It has been overturned, but that is little comfort when Sunderland go on to beat your team 4-2 in a massive, massive uh, relegation battle. Um, and that, of course, prompted the board to panic by the looks of things, and um, they went out and uh, found this manager out of nowhere. 
um, who none of us had actually heard of, Francesco Guidolin, um, who, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, is a very, very experienced Italian coach who's been around several for, for several decades uh, and has a track record of overachieving with, with small uh, clubs, which obviously appeals to our board. Um, but it is a very, very strange appointment. Guidolin's name has never been mentioned before uh, in relation to any English club, as far as or, or Welsh, of course, club, as, as far as I can uh, as far as I can tell. Um, he certainly wasn't mentioned at all in the month that we were looking for a manager, and that says a lot because every other manager on the face of the planet was named, including the likes of Alan Kirbishley and uh, Tim Sherwood, believe it or not. Um, and then he's he's come in. Um, nobody knows much about him. Um, he we don't know how much English he speaks. We don't really know much about his tactics because he seems to change them quite quite a bit. Um, he's for the past two years been working for the Pozzo family uh, in recruitment, which is a big plus because we badly need some new players in January, and um, that I think is certainly one of the big um, reasons we've brought him in because Alan Curtis with um, his limited name recognition was uh, was struggling to bring in players um, to the club or, or you know players were being put off by uh, the presence of a relatively unknown manager um, how it's going to go I, I really couldn't tell you um, it, it looks at the moment like um, he is going to be in charge of tactics uh, and um, for, for the most part the training and Alan Curtis is going to go back to being an assistant manager but taking charge of uh, the press conferences and uh, the media duties because um, his speaking voice is so lovely. Um, but uh, we thankfully got a win against Watford on Monday. It was a big three points for us. Uh, it wasn't the prettiest match. We have to apologise to the footballing supporting public um, for just a waste of a good Monday night football slot. Um, but but we, we played reasonably well in the sense that we won all our individual battles, battled hard. Um, it, it's not a typical Swansea City performance, but if we do try and play the Swansea City performances of old, um, then I don't think we're going to stay up this season. I think we do need to just go back to basics and uh, and just win ugly, if I'm honest, uh, in most matches, if we are going to stay up this season. But that win has given us a bit of a nice foundation to move on now. Um, we're out of the relegation zone, um, which always makes... Everything looks so much better, uh, and all we can do really is is hope that um, things are things are going to go well. Yeah, obviously you mentioned their player acquisition served uh, to be a, a large issue with Alan Curtis at the helm. We've talked many times about your need for a forward. Do you think either Guidolin will somehow manage to teach Boffatimbi Gomez the offsides rule, or will you be looking at a forward in in this January window? Yeah, Bafa Timmy Gomez is, I think, four offsides away from breaking last year's record for the <laughs> most offsides. Which he'll do in yeah. January. <laughs> in, in January. It's, and it's going to happen because the boy cannot stay onside. He came on the other night and within two minutes he was caught offside twice without touching the ball. Um, he is absolutely... His, ta- his knack for finding an offside position is... It, it's just unmatched in world football. It really is. Um I'd like to see Guidolin work with Gomez. Uh, there is a bit of debate among fans about whether we should just cash in and let him go. Um, I, I, I've come to the conclusion now that even if we do get another striker in, I think I don't think it would do us any harm keeping uh, Gomez at the club. 
um, just as another option because we we are limited in terms of options. And you know, he came close to scoring against Watford. He hit the post. Um, uh, I, I thought he played reasonably well when he came on against Sunderland as well um, the previous week. He he does have flashes, and he's not an entirely useless player in the same way as Adair is. Um, so I'd be in favour of keeping him. Um, and um, you know how how we we don't when we're talking about sort of possible tactics for Guidolin, um, we have no idea. The only recollection I have of watching any of his teams play was the brilliant Udinese team that he was uh, in charge of. Um, which, if you remember, reached um, the playoffs for the, the Champions League playoffs. Um, and uh, it had a young Alexis Sanchez in the side and Di Natale up front and um, Pablo Amaro, who later signed for West Ham and stunk up the joint. He was at, at <laughs> Udinese, possibly one of the best left-backs in the world at that time. He really was brilliant. Um, so that that's the only recollection I have. And they were very entertaining. They were very attacking and obviously very successful. But um, the unfortunate thing is at the Swans at the moment is they doesn't have a Di Natale or a young Alexis Sanchez. Um, you should work on that. We should, really. We should. <laughs> I mean, you know, Ki Sung Young really needs to pull his uh, finger out and, uh, and, and stop being a bit more like Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> I think very few people would disagree, especially as he's a central <laughs> midfielder. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, well, Zach, it's been a little bit since you have been on. Liverpool's results continue to be mixed bag-esque. What's your take on Liverpool at the moment? Oh, um, extremely consistently inconsistent, I suppose, is uh, the way you could go about it. Um, I think after the United game, we're now two wins from eight Premier League games, which is the form United were in before they played us. So we are the new United for the time being. Um, How much does that hurt to say? It does. It hurts a lot. A few years ago, it wouldn't have hurt, but now it does. Um, yeah, we're not getting. We're gonna. We're no one near top four this season. Um, it's really. It's getting. It's getting really sad now. It's like January and we're still mid-table. It's not the start of the season anymore. You know, the the, the league isn't, isn't fluid anymore. Like you win, you win a game, you only got one place now. So it's kind of it's kind of depressing that we're in ninth and. Having spent all this money in the last few years, and the, it just shows you the um, the horrible recruitment that that the club has gone through in the last, you know, four five years plus, um, other than Suarez, which is literally one deal. Um, <clears throat> we're still in the cups, though. Um, still fight uh, fighting hard on those fronts. Uh, we got got the result against Stoke at the Britannia for the uh, first leg of the League Cup, and. Um, we're still fighting in the FA Cup. Obviously, we beat Exeter in the uh, third round replay last night. Um, that finished three 0 It was nice to see the people that did score get the goals. Um, always nice to see Joe Allen score. God loves a try, and he really does try. He's been playing really well um, in his last few appearances. He, he looks like he's fighting for his future, and I honestly am quite baffled as to why Klopp doesn't really fancy him because he's he's in better form than people like say Lucas for example and he works his ha- he he works so hard you would think he's perfect for a, someone of Klopp's nature but maybe not um and it was nice to see Tajera and Ojo get their first goals for the Liverpool Ojo becoming Liverpool's youngest ever FA Cup goal scorer in the process so that was really nice it was a good finish too um other than that um we've it, it's pretty good it was nice this morning to wake up to the news that we're bidding on um, Shatsad the next attacking midfielder, Alex Tejera. Um Hopefully, we'll have two Tejeras playing 
for playing for Liverpool for the rest of the season. Um, it'd be really nice to sign him. He's 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 a really good goal threat for midfield. Um, honestly, hand on heart, I've only ever seen him about five or six times, and those were in the Champions League. So I don't know a huge amount about him. I just know that um, you know, Shad's have had some really cool talents in the in the last few years with like Douglas Costa, Tyson, and um, obviously. Tajay was one of those, one of those few attacking midfielders that they're really excited in the in the Champions League, especially in the group stages. So, so yeah, I hope I hope we can we can wrap that up and not not have our standard Ukrainian experience where we bid for a player and then get rebuffed and then someone else signs him, aka William to Chelsea or Cutter playing Cutter to Sevilla, or Mkhitaryan to Borussia Dortmund. So, hoping for a for a better outcome this time. Hopefully, we'll get this one in because God knows we need we need some attacking reinforcements. I mean, the, the squad, if, if we were to, to sign Tajero, which it, obviously we need a striker, but if we were to sign another attacking midfielder, it would mean that we don't have to play Firmino in the attacking midfield role, you know, if we were to get one or two injuries. And that would be good because we can play Firmino in the nine and then Tajero in, in maybe in the 10 or wide left with Coutinho in the position that he doesn't play in. And then maybe Henderson on the right, so, it'd, you know, like a 4 2 3 one. That would be a, a, good, a good formation to try. But, yeah. As you say, it's a mixed bag. Results are pretty shitty, but we're still in the cups. We've still got a lot to play for. Um, top four is pretty much gone, so hopefully that relieves some pressure in the league. And we've got Klopp, so who gives a fuck? We're taking the results as they come, <laughs> even if they're bad. We just still believe that he's going to turn it round, especially when he gets his uh, gets a clear out done. Hopefully this season and sign some of his own players. Yeah, um, as far as Liverpool is concerned, uh, at the keeper position, you've just signed Mignolet to a five-year extension despite being linked to several other keepers, including Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, currently at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. What was your take on that, and do you think, despite the signing, you may still be in the market for a keeper? Well, I certainly hope that we are in the market for a keeper. I mean, the recent transfer business suggests that we might be, because um, if you were to look at the last two... I think it's the last two signings, other than Stephen Calker on loan. I can't really remember the end of last summer. But and you've signed Calker of, as a striker, so yeah. <laughs> in terms of Roberto Firmino and obviously this potential deal for Tajera, um, these two deals really went under the radar, and there was no leaks literally until like the Roberto Firmino side, like two days after the news broke, and Tajera is broken today after absolutely no gossip from anybody. So it's um, hopefully under the current of of the mainstream media, we are looking for a goalkeeper. I think signing Mignolet to a five-year deal, I don't think it's an, it's an additional five years. I think he had two years or two and a half years left on his contract and we've added like an extra three or an extra two and a half um, to take it up to five years. And obviously he'll be on, impro- he's on improved terms, which I don't really understand, but who's going to sign a contract if it's not for improved terms? Um, I think... I'll be honest, I wouldn't I don't believe anything any football manager says in a press conference ever since, you know, Brendan Rodgers has just scarred me for life. And even Jurgen Klopp don't believe a word he's saying. So when he's bigging up Mignolet and, and Benteke as well, I think he's sort of just A, trying to maintain value, which is which is the hope for these two players, Benteke and Mignolet. And and, you know, B to keep the confidence up because at the minute we need to use them and what's the use of them playing badly and then continuing out of form with like if there's a chance we can get them to pick up form till the end of the season that's great because that helps us and then obviously it helps keep their price tag high because they've been in form for the last six months or whatever so 
Yeah, I, I, I would hope we're still in, in the um, in the market. Obviously, I pray for for Testegans to come in, but you know that 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 doesn't seem very likely. He's already at a world class club, and although he's not getting many minutes, you would think he'd go to a, a club with more Champions League ambitions than Liverpool at this moment in time. All right, thanks. And Jake, it's been a very slow and boring week for Newcastle, signing players and being linked to many more, including one Andros, the next Beckham Townsend. Uh, what's your take on all of these moves for uh, Newcastle? Yeah, well, I'll, st- I'll start with the game, because that seems like a good place to start, because we won, like uh, like Swansea, so that's always nice. Um, yeah, it's probably, the, the, I think the first 30 minutes of that game was probably the best I've seen Newcastle play in a good two or three years. It was really, really good. Um, we were dominating the game. West Ham hardly had a kick. We had, it should have been three or four nil up, if I'm honest. We, uh, you know, John Joe Shelby came in for his debut, and uh, I mean, Guto, I have a few views on him. Uh, and so was Zach, he played for both of those clubs, but he was absolutely brilliant. He, uh, he he just ran the game from midfield, uh, both the goals. He played the pass before the assist, and you know the one up for the second goal was just incredible. I mean, I haven't seen, I don't I haven't seen many people pass the ball like that at St James's Park, uh, whether they played for Newcastle or the opposition. So you know, that was just really good. I think he, I I wrote I wrote a piece on uh, Shelby and Newcastle, and I think he's good. I think it's more about him fitting the club and, you know, the club fitting him. It sort of seems to be just like quite a good fit because we need sort of that playmaker in the uh, midfield to create sort of chances and to get the ball to the likes of Wijnaldum and Sissoko. And, you know, he needs a club that he's going to be first first team regular, play football the way he wants to play because I don't think that Swansea played football to his strengths. Um, I might be wrong on this, but I feel like he, he wants like you know a more direct style of like counter-attacking football where uh as opposed to the possession base that Swansea play so I think we we really do suit him and we're going to see the best of him in the coming years and hopefully you know we stay in the Premier League and we can get the best out of him because he is only 23 and he is a huge talent and I think you know I've come around to the signing of Shelby originally I was quite skeptical but after seeing him play I know it's only one game but you know I, I I think it could be really really good um so yeah, that was a really, really good performance. And we saw Wijnaldum play the number 10 role, which he hasn't done for the majority of the season. He's played it the last three games now against Arsenal, Man United and then West Ham. And we've dominated. All th- I, I feel like we were the better team in all three matches. At the Emirates, we should have won the game. We should have beaten Man United on the on the balance of play. I think they were quite lucky with the penalty and things. And then this game, we did win again. So it looks like we fight, you know, him in the number 10. We're playing our best football, which is, you know, really, really good. And I think that we're going to start to climb the table. I've been on this podcast so many times. I've said that and it just hasn't happened. But this time I am genuinely optimistic. Look at our fixtures ahead. So hopefully that happens. Um, and then onto the transfer window. You know, we've Townsend and Berahino. They're the two main targets that we've been linked with all week. The Townsend deal, that's a bit up in the air. Sky say the deal's uh, going, uh, edging closer. Well, the Telegraph say we're, we're giving up because the, the demands are too high. I think Levy... Both of which a, could be true, by the way. Yeah, they, they could be. <laughs> I, I mean, I th- personally, I think it's going to happen because no other club really wants him. Tottenham don't want to keep him. And his, his value is only going to depreciate over the next six months if you don't sell him this window because he has eight, I think he has 18 months left in his contract. And yeah. He, He's not playing. He hasn't played since October. He's only going to drop in value. Uh, like, he's been playing for the U21s and tearing it up like a 24-year-old should. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's that's, that's not where an England international should be. He should be <laughs> in the first team of a club. And the fact that he's, 
you know, he's, he's only going to depreciate in value. So Tottenham need to do this deal a lot more than we do. Because uh, I think if he doesn't go, we're going to keep Tovan because Tovan will go back to Marseille if we get uh, Townsend. Oh, did that so, not actually happen? No, no, it's, it's relying on the oh. Townsend deal. So we, we've got we, we've got a player anyway who could be very good given a chance. So it's not like we need to do the deal. I think Tottenham need it a lot more than we do. So that's, And then the Berahino deal is also very interesting because... Uh, Mike Ashley's prepared to put over 20 million on the table for Barry. When people are saying, oh, if talks break down, they'll be like, oh, obviously they had the asking price and they don't want to pay it. That's that's not the case. We've got we've got the money. We're prepared to do a deal for Berrydio as long as West Brom want to do the deal. And he wants he he is open to coming to Newcastle. So everything is there. It's, it's very much a deal that could happen. But it's it's just a difficult deal to do with when you look at the uh, prices involved and obviously Jeremy Peace isn't it's the easiest of negotiators as you all know Kev so mm. that's one that could could go either way but it's, it, if it doesn't happen it won't be because of the money it'll be because maybe West Brom were didn't want to do the deal or they were asking a little bit too much but we would pay 25 million for him so it's it's I don't think that it's definitely one that could happen but I'm it's it's I'd say it's 50-50. Uh, I don't think there's any other clubs interested in him as, as as much as that is reported. I don't think there's any club that is really talking to West Brom like we are. And you know, he's got 18 months left of his deal as well. He's he's not starting for West Brom. It's a, it's another one of those. He, he, they've got a very good, you know, they've got a commodity and a young English forward who scores goals. But the the situation around him means that his value isn't as high as it could be. And if they t- took the 25 million, I think that would be a really good deal for them. And it would be good for us because we need a striker and he could develop into a very, very good one. So, yeah, hopefully that happens. But I'm less certain on that one as I am on Townsend. I think Townsend definitely will happen. Then you've got other deals sort of like Remy and Sandro from Barcelona still being uh, muted to Newcastle. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, both of them are, would be good signings, but I think they're more of a loan deal as opposed to a permanent deal. And then Tiote looks like he's going out as well. He's going to a Chinese club. Although there were rumours that, that was close to breaking down because uh, he was asking for too too much in money, which is crazy when you think of a Chinese club. The one thing that they shouldn't break down with is money because that's practically all they have to offer. So yeah, that's that's, that's a weird one, but I, I think that's going to happen as well. And then obviously to- Tovan looks likely to go back to Marseille if we get Townsend in. So that, that's all the transfer business. That's everything's going on. We, if if we get Berahino in Townsend, we're going to spend over 100 million in a calendar year. That is just ridiculous mm. for Newcastle. Like ridiculous. That's more. <laughs> I think it's more than every other club apart from Chelsea and Man City. I think, or no, Manchester United. I think it's even more than City, which is mm. amazing. Oh yeah, they didn't really make many yeah. moves last year. It's De Bruyne. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm a uh, just for future reference. You should probably try negotiating to better chairman. <laughs> and by better, I mean more receptive ones. Uh, but also talking about the Berahino thing. We've talked about your striker options very often on the show. Uh, De Jong not available because his eye bleeds in disgusting ways. <laughs> um, but, no is, but is striker really the, the place where you need to be upgrading? I know that goal score isn't really... Uh, you aren't necessarily <laughs> topping the charts in that category. But it seems like you have a lot of different options there. And uh, I don't know. I, is, is that what you're hoping for as a Newcastle fan? I I think every single Newcastle fan wants a striker. I think that should be double word priority, and I think every, all all the sort of the the journalists who watch Newcastle regularly will, will will you know testify to that as well. Not because it's not it's not the lack of options, it's sort of the lack of quality. I think, which is 
could be unfair because we have a lot of players with big potential. I think De Jong and Perez are seen more as attacking midfielders as opposed to strikers. With Perez playing on the left now, he's sort of quite versatile and he's sort of leading the line. He's a bit too lightweight and doesn't have sort of the hold-up ability. And with Mitrovic, there's just too much pressure on him, too much pressure on him to score the goals. Like, he's been playing really well recently and he's bringing the best out of the midfield, but when he's getting the chances, he's not taking them. And, you know, that's not... We need a striker that's going to take chances. Uh, I think he's going to be one for the future. But if we got another striker in to sort of ease the burden, I think that's definitely something we should do. And then there's Cisse, who's out for it. I think he's out for a couple of months. So he's not really an option for the next two months. And we could... It could be too late before he comes back. So I think a striker, we need one. I, I think Cisse's probably going to leave in the summer. And De Jong is... Yeah, he's another... He hasn't really done what we expected him to but I think that's because we have Wijnaldum and they play in the same position so it's always going to be difficult for him this year but yeah we, we definitely need a striker if you look at the last few weeks we've been bringing even Tony off the bench for Mitrovic and he is a player we signed from Northampton at the start of the season so it's not really yeah we we, it's, we definitely do need one you might look at look at our squad and think we don't but Perez is not a striker he's more of an attacking midfielder that's where he played for Tenerife and I think that's where he's going to uh, come to the fore for Newcastle as well. So if we did get Berahino, he's a goal scorer. The chances that Mitrovic is getting, he would score. It's a no-brainer for me to get a striker in. Hmm. All right, uh, fair enough. Uh, Sandro, one of the names you mentioned there, Tottenham also sniffing around him. Uh, and when you see people saying that Tottenham have no interest, that's largely because Barcelona won't waive the buyback clause, even if you double the fee that they're asking. Uh, and Tottenham aren't willing to do that deal, and Barcelona have no reason to take a buyback clause out of the deal, which would make a move to a club like Newcastle much more likely than to us. Uh, other transfer rumors kind of picking up, but I don't really get the feeling that anything is close to being done. Probably the closest is the deal for Musa with two S's, Dembele. Um, did see a pretty amusing thing earlier today, which is how would they sort the kits out? Um my my suggestion of Moose with one S and Moose with two S's and then Dembele, probably not how they'd go. One would probably just be Dembele and one would probably be M. Dembele. But that's that's super putting the cart before the horse as that deal's not done yet either. And if it is, they want to have him loaned back in January and say that there's precedent there because of what we did with Della Ali. However, we didn't have a need at Della Ali's position last year and we very much need to get a forward in this window. Uh, so whether or not that'll just cost more money or may cause us to look elsewhere, only time will really tell. Um, we have reached an impasse on the Berahino deal, which is what's led to all of the Newcastle excitement. Um, reports differing on whether or not Pochettino still thinks he's the answer or thinks he's too much of a uh, kind of dressing room issue to bring him in. And we're asking too much for Townsend, uh, which the Telegraph did report. But uh, who knows if that'll actually put Newcastle off or not. It does look like they are in a spending mode. Um, but I would agree with Jake that I think that that does somehow get done by the deadline. Um, and we are not very excited about the idea of it being alone. So that would probably be a permanent deal. And then uh, Newcastle have another England international, which I'm sure they'd be super excited about hearing that they signed two England internationals. And there's Shelby and Townsend. Um, but that to the side, uh, news came out that we have right of first refusal on Gareth Bale through the summer of 2019. Uh, this was, came from his contract being leaked. Uh, and then Pochettino, when asked about it, uh, said he refused to rule out the possibility of Bale returning to Tottenham. 
now that's about the most inflammatory sentence you could say in north london um and so now everybody's losing their mind rampant excitement amongst tottenham fans am i aware that this is super unlikely to happen absolutely has that kept me from going through old highlight videos of Bale at Tottenham? Absolutely not. Uh, am I getting way too excited for the likelihood? Yeah, th- it's not going to happen at all. Uh, this clause does expire in 2019 and is exclusive to the Premier League. So only if a Premier League club's offer was accepted would Real Madrid have to notify us and then we could match it. And if we didn't match it, could receive a further £10 million Although some debate over whether or not that clause has already expired. Uh, other interesting news from this is that we never actually paid for Vondervaart. That we had a delayed payment plan uh, in place. And that we never got to pay it before they took bail from us. So that's why it was a little lower the first installment from Real Madrid to us. Because that was considered the Vondervaart payment. Um, so that makes that deal even better than it seemed at the time. Uh, but some saying that we got Vondervaart for free. That's not how math works. Um, But uh, we did not have to actually physically hand the money for that. Other news uh, that's actually football related. Alex Pritchard has returned to training uh, and was kind of meant to be our young golden boy this year. But super missed that opportunity through injury. And now Della Ali and Josh Onoma have both passed him in both hype and perceived ability and, and promise going forward. Uh, Richard's best chance is really if we continue in three different competitions, which we're currently in, the FA Cup, Europa League, and Premier League. If we don't continue in all three of those competitions, I think it's very hard for him to find a way in. When we have players like Bentaleb, who was our young player of the year last year, not being able to get into the side, um, I, I think that that's going to be very difficult for him to find a way past Erickson and Lamela, who are, are arguably one of our most talented players and one of our most uh, improved players this season. Um, so yeah, I, I think next season is really when he'll get his chance. He'll probably play a lot in whatever tour we end up doing. I think we're going to Australia, uh, and then we'll see if he, he can break into the starting 11. But you kind of have to feel for him. And on a side note, Ben Taleb as well, as being players that kind of looked at their opportunities at Tottenham and really thought they'd have a chance to capitalize, and then both kind of missed out due to injury. And then by the time they were fit, found their places already taken. So uh, hopefully we can find a way to accommodate everyone. Uh, more actual football talk. Tottenham beat Leicester 2-0 yesterday in the FA Cup in our replay. Goal scored by Hyungman's son and Nasser Chadley. The sun goal was excellently taken. Uh, dipping effort from an angle that, uh, dare I say, was Harry Kane-esque. Usually you'd expect somebody to lay the ball across in that situation. He just took it first time and thumped it. Uh, it was a fairly comprehensive victory for us. Uh, Leicester really got out of their own half. Vardy came on late, and they kind of pushed hard for a goal at that point. But fortunately, Vorm, unlike last year, was able to keep out their shots. Um, It was very easy for us to get into the box, but it did feel like we were kind of lacking that focal point in attack because we didn't start Kane, we started Sun up top. Uh, So that is still an issue for me. I think that's why we still need a striker. The play was very confusing uh, for Leicester's defense. It was very hard to track who was running where. But when it came to the final ball, there often wasn't anyone there because you expect Kane to kind of be at the tip there, and he wasn't. And Son was either on the wing or he was still trying to run into the box instead of already being there himself. Uh, Walker and Davis continues to be a pair that rotates uh, together in and out of Premier League play or uh, FA Cup play, kind of depending what matches are up. And it does look like we're going to stick with that. 
uh, going into other competitions, which very conveniently leads us into the topic, which is uh, not only Tottenham rotated a lot, we saw a lot of teams rotate somewhat heavily in the FA Cup fixtures this week. There was a lot of frustration in it from Tottenham fans, but my question for you guys is, how does your team approach rotation? Do you change a few positions, maybe formation, maybe change to just having two full 11s, which is largely what Tottenham have been doing? And are you pleased with how you are approaching multiple competitions? At Swansea, um, the situation is um, obviously a bit weird because we, we've had to experiment a lot over the last few months just to see actually what our best uh, 11 is, and we still don't know. Um, but basically, we've got two formations which we can go with, which are 4-5-1, um, and, uh, and then the Diamond, um, which is the one that has proved more successful Um this season because it just gives us a bit more organisation and what the players we pick really depends on that. We've got certain positions where players are interchangeable. Norton and Rangel have been swapping the right back position for quite a bit of time. Um, and every now and again, we, we play without the striker depending on whether Bafetemi Gomez wants to play or not. Um, so we, we've not really had a consistent 11 uh, at the Swans, which has been a slight source of frustration, really. Um, and, and it's just added to the sense this season that there's a bit of chaos, really, and nobody seems to be knowing what's go- going on from one game to the next. Um, and then, of course, you had the FA Cup match, which was um, just a complete debacle where we we swapped pretty much the entire team and it just completely failed and we lost to, to Oxford. Um, so, rotation... Uh, it tends not to work brilliantly for us if we do if we overdo it. We don't really have the strength and depth um, to get away with it, and we haven't had that strength and depth for a few seasons. But we still try to do it, um, and it doesn't seem to be working. And it is a little bit of a, um, a, a you know, a, 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 well, it, it split it splits fans over whether you know we should be doing as much as we are, whether we shouldn't. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Yeah, we we did a similar thing. Um, obviously, with the FA Cup, we changed our complete eleven, like um, I think Swansea did with against Oxford. Um, obviously, to a more successful degree. Um, we got the re- well, we didn't really want the replay. It was the worst. It was the worst result possible from the first game against Exeter to achieve a replay. But we got the job done at Anfield and without playing any of the players that are suffering from fatigue at the moment. So. Um, that was good. Um, the kids got to run out. Usually, we, well, we've kind of not really had much choice to, to, with rotation. I mean, at one point we had like eleven injuries or something stupid. You know, we've had Stewie Jowell for a thousand years. Um, Joe Gomez is out with an ACL. Ings is out with an ACL. Henderson's been out with a heel injury for over two months. Uh, Benteke missed a month. Um, Sacco's missed a month. Lovren's missed a month. Skirtle's been out for three months. Even Torre's been out for like a week or two with a cramp induced injury um so yeah like Coutinho's been been out for a month already <clears throat> sorry um so it's um we've not really had much choice everyone's been injured for a while so rotation we haven't really been able to play a consistent 11 which probably explains explains part of why we have no fluidity consistently where even within games um we when it comes to rotation for our team we often change formation sort of thing to allow different personnel to play I mean if we were to rest Benteke we'd play Firmino up top or if we were to play if Lucas has played three games in in you know like a week or so or he's or his form suffering we usually we can go to three midfield or we can play 4-4-2 diamond like we did against Exeter in the first game um, and on that occasion John Sinclair played up front with Benteke so yeah, we, we've got quite a healthy group of um, kids and it was good to see so many of them recalled for the Exeter game, um, for the original tie. Um, Ryan Kent obviously uh, came back and did pretty well. Uh, Cameron Brannigan played really well last night. Uh, Tiago Lorry played well last night and in the first game. Um, Danny Ward's come back for, to fill in for the keeper role if, if we need to take out Mignolet, so... Yeah, it's been what what we've done sort of thing was when we saw how many injuries we had and we knew we needed to rotate. We 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 just recalled a lot of our lone players and for the odd cup game. And now we've got a decent team in West Ham to, to look forward to um, in the FA Cup. I mean, um, it's not going to be like an like eleven kids in a team or eight kids or whatever. It's just going to be one or two. But it helps to cover your injuries, you know, so and your fatigue. So that's kind of what we'll be doing, I think, to the rest of the season. Klopp's just trying to evaluate everyone, all the seniors and all the kids. He's trying to, he wants to see who's worth keeping and who doesn't deserve a new contract and who wants to be sold. So at the minute, we just rotate. Anyone who can play left mid has got a chance to play in left mid between now and the end of the season. Anyone who plays centre back, you know what I mean? Anyone's got a chance to play. So at the minute, it's just for us, it's just anybody will do. And it's usually a kid. Mm, you mentioned recalling players. Uh, do you think it's strange that Markovic still remains out on them? Um, I'm, I don't really know. Apparently, we did look into it, but it would have cost us like a couple of million to terminate his loan deal. Um, Fenerbahce were keen to to sign a different player this January, apparently. And <clears throat> if they'd managed to get that deal across, then I think we would have taken him. But um, apparently, Markovic isn't that keen on coming back. Um, he had a pretty torrid time. He had the standard impatience from... Liverpool fans, which is something that plagues our fan base. Um, I'd love to have Markovic back. Literally, as we speak, he's just scored um, a 1-0 uh, 
He's just scored in the last minute to make it 1-0 for Fenerbahce in a, in a league game, which is obviously an important competition for them at the top of the league. So he's doing okay over there. He's got a few goals, a few assists, and he's played okay. Um, I'd love to have him back. I think he'd be a, he'd be a clock player. I mean, he's got the pace to press and definitely got the pace to counter-attack. Um, at times, we've kind of looked thin. Um, or not, not some, Well, yeah, thin, but not, not in terms of like of personnel, because we have Coutinho, Firmino, Henderson, Lallana, I have all these players who can play there, but none of them are like Markovic. Like Markovic can get really out wide and try and take his player on the outside. That's when that's when you know when he's kind of in form, which he didn't show much of in his first season, admittedly. But he was playing right wing back, so I would love to get Markovic in just to have a second look at him. I mean, Brendan Rodgers, he has no no say on on talent in my eyes anymore. The guy's passed up some transfers and taken in some transfers that just completely diminish in my eyes and much of the fan base's eyes, any understanding he, he had on, you know, talent within a player. And Klopp would certainly be a better barometer of what kind of player Mark, Markovic is. If Klopp rates him, then I rate him. That's, that, that, at the moment, I've had nothing to disagree with that with that philosophy. So I'd love to see Klopp, uh, Markovic back. And it's not. I don't think it's unusual because in terms of bringing Kemp, uh, Ryan Kemp back and Danny Ward and Joe from Wolves and... You know all these all these younger players, Thiago Lloris from Villa. They didn't cost anything. Like they're, they're mostly kids, and the ones that were in the top tier of their of the respective country, i.e., Villa and Ilori and Ward and Aberdeen. I don't think there was any kind of clause to suggest that it would cost us to bring him back. So certainly not a newsworthy amount of money, anyway. So um, I think Markovic coming back would have a cost a lot of money. B Fenerbahce didn't want to let him go unless they had a replacement. And C I'm not sure Markovic actually wants to come back, which would be a real shame. But yeah, I'd love to have him back. All right, and Jake, how how have you been approaching rotation this year? Um, well, we weren't really in any cup, so I can't really use that as an example. Uh, in the Capital One Cup and in the FA Cup, we played pretty strong lineups and went out. So. That's, that's just what happens. Because <laughs> the show was just a gamble. <laughs> yeah, no. It's just, well, I think we rotated a little bit, and we rotated in the wrong positions, if that makes sense. So we made changes in defence and brought in like the likes of um, Kevin and Babu, who who did well in the Premier League. But you know, if you're going to rotate, it's probably not the best position to rotate in left back. And uh, Mike Williamson played uh, in the Capital World Cup, and. Yeah, and in, in the in the FA Cup, we opted for like a really weird three-five-two formation, which just seemed so experimental at the time. Even though we had the likes of Wijnaldum and Perez and Sissoko in the team, we just played a completely different system. So, I that just seems a weird way to approach the cup and just go. Oh, I'm just going to go out and just try a different formation. But in fairness to Steve McLaren, he played a strong team. He uh, we were actually the better team in the FA Cup. We still went out. So that's just. Just how it, how it goes sometimes. So, but I'll, I'll talk about our rotation over the Christmas period because this is something that uh, kind of disappointed me. We had a game against Everton on the tw- uh, on Boxing Day, and then a game against West Brom on the twenty eighth. And and against Everton, we we worked so hard, we got done by a, a last like the last minute goal, like the the latest goal I've ever seen scored by Tom Cleverley, which was ridiculous. And we made one sub in that game. So you go forward, you go. Oh, we got a game in two days. We didn't make any subs. We're probably going to make some changes for this West Brom game. Wrong. We made one change, and if I could give you uh, a guess of what position that change was, you would not guess it was in goal. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what I, that means. I would have guessed. Just saying, I I, I was on mute, but I did guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. It's like if you're going to play two games, two Premier League games in three days, 
you're going to need some rotation, especially if you didn't make any, if you only made one sub in the first game that came in at, and the sub was made at like the 85th minute. So they're, they're tired. So you'd think you'd make some changes, but Steve McLaren didn't. He went with the same team, apart from obviously the goalie, who the, the guy the guy who played Cole Darlow had an absolute mare of a Premier League debut. So that, that can just, we can just forget about that change. But yeah, and then Anita got a hamstring injury and we just looked so, so tepid against West Brom and we just looked so bad and, yeah, we were just dominated all game, and I think a lot of that was down to tiredness. Because that was a game. If you're going to target either game out of Everton or West Brom, it should have been the West Brom game. We didn't do that, and I think over the Christmas period, Steve McLaren should have been a bit wiser in his his rotation. Brought in the likes of De Jong and Tovan and Lasales for a game or two, just to sort of just ease the pressure on on the likes of Wijnaldum and Sissoko and things. So. Um, yeah, I'd say you need to manage that better next year and maybe in the Cups, don't go for a crazy formation when you've never played in the league. But at the same time, we have a small squad and it's it's difficult to rotate when, when you've only got sort of uh, 18 or 19 players that are really good enough and uh, experienced stuff to play in the top flight. So that's, that's it's a problem for, for clubs of, of our size. It's a problem to rotate because we just don't have the depth to do it. Whereas Tottenham and Liverpool, they have the depth when everyone's fit to, to, to rotate. So it's, it's completely different. Yeah, um, <laughs> to that point, Pochettino does typically go with full 11 rotations. And we saw, as I mentioned earlier on Wednesday, that when we fully rotate and when Leicester fully rotate, we still have a deeper side. Leicester's first 11 has been very impressive this year. But unfortunately for them, there's not loads behind that, uh, including Cromerch, who I think they've now just loaned out. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Pochettino does tend to go for full 11 rotations and seemingly values partnerships over pretty much everything else, uh, especially with center backs and with wing backs, although they don't often interact much together, but it does seem that we switch both when we switch one, uh, at least of late. Um, we've broken a bit from that lately, uh, just because we've had so many players who are returning or have recently returned from injury that have struggled to reestablish themselves in the Premier League 11, like I mentioned earlier with Ben Taleb and with Pritchard, who to be fair never was in the 11, but was hoping for a spot. Um, but that Premier League 11 is pretty much established by this point. Everyone kind of knows, uh, who they are because we don't change it much. The only slots that do change are our wingbacks, who, as I mentioned earlier, we, we tend to shift together. Uh, the second 11, or our competition's 11, is a bit more fluid, uh, as there are probably 14 players or so that are battling it out for those spots, and sometimes our Premier League starters do stay in those, um, but our best, well no, our second best 11, which I suppose is not particularly flattering, uh, but anyway, um, Vorm, who I was very impressed with, um, a lot of people are not, <laughs> this was going to be a backup topic in case we uh, didn't have enough to talk about but surprise that didn't happen um, but uh, I think a lot of people are too harsh on Vorm because we have Larice, and so that drop off leads to a lot of people being very frustrated with Vorm when he's not Hugo despite only playing I don't know eight out of ten matches and being less naturally able in the first place but I'm fine with Vorm had a very good day yesterday right back and left back we continue to rotate we played Eric Dyer at center back yesterday which I was a little worried about not because of his versatility, but just we've spent a half season trying to build up his instincts in the midfield and then pushed him further back. It ended up not being an issue, although Bentaleb did not track back the way that Eric Dyer does to make that back three when we were attacking. Bentaleb, every time there was an opening, he would start to launch forward, and there was a time that was caught on camera 
where you saw Eric Dyer just raise both of his hands in frustration because that's Dyer's typical position. So I'm sure when he saw Bentaleb launching forward instead of backwards, he was just like, ah, come on, man. What are you, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, Bentaleb was in yesterday, and I think he will continue to be in that second 11 alongside Carroll and Mason, who one of them will be paired with Bentaleb, and one of them will probably be the replacement for Erickson. Lamela has to play every match because Townsend either plays for U21s or Newcastle coming soon. Um, and then Nasser Chadley plays on the left with Sun or NG up top, NG injured at the moment. But I am typically happy with the size that Pochettino puts out. He does tend to hang on to players a match or two too long. Um, to just, I think the thought is to give them confidence, say that you've earned a chance. You had one bad match, keep going. That happened with Tommy Carroll. Musa Dembele came back, kept him out for one match. <laughs> well, really for like 40 minutes. Uh, and then Dembele is now fully back in. But substitutions are a different story. Um, he just doesn't seem very effective when he chooses his subs. And I don't know if that's because the players we have are too similar to one another. That even when we change the, the defense is still prepared for it. Um, but haven't been super impressed with that. And to Poch's, mm, not credit, um, to our players' criticism... Chadley looks a step slower than he did last year. Hyungman's son was great yesterday, but has a pretty poor first touch. Tommy Carroll, Gitto and I have talked about this before, is very one-dimensional. His passing's excellent, but he doesn't offer much else. So when he's next to Dyer, who only defends, it kind of limits what we do in attack. And we don't typically make really defensive subs. Uh, but hopefully Potch will get better at these substitutions as he grows as a manager and as we improve and maybe diversify the squad a bit. Uh, but I am typically happy with how he chooses uh, his squads for different competitions. And because of that, I think the notion that we should only be aiming for the Premier League is a bit faulty. Whether or not it ends up being what's happen- what, what happens, I'm not going to uh, claim one way or the other. But I think as a fan base, we feel much more confident that we can continue to compete in multiple competitions. Especially as I mentioned, like yesterday, <clears throat> Bentaleb, Vorm, Chadley, Son... Uh, Mason, or not Mason, Tommy Carroll. These are all players that look like wouldn't be getting a chance till the end of the year. So the fact that they went out there, they won a match where it was basically uh, you have to win to keep playing, which they ended up doing. So now they get more opportunities, and, and I do like that. And unfortunately, it's very similar to Harry Redknapp's approach to the Europa League back in the day where we largely played the kids and the rotation players, and then if they won, they got to keep going. And if they didn't, then it didn't really affect the first team. So uh, I think the further we go, the more we'll see first-team players in there. Um, but but for now, I'm, I'm fairly pleased with what's been going on. Well, now uh, we will be skipping player watch, unfortunately. Hyungman son was good. Um, <laughs> now on to match previews. All four of us have different matches. Uh, so we will start off with the first match of the weekend, which is Norwich versus Liverpool. Now, Zach, Liverpool forwards historically phenomenal in this fixture, especially ones named well, Suarez. One. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do you see this match playing out? Oh, well, we've got to win this game. Um, Arsenal, we played pretty well, probably deserved to win, but somehow conceded three shit goals. United probably deserved to win, somehow conceded a shit goal because our keeper is shit and somebody switched off. So hopefully we can beat Norwich 1-0, courtesy of the one good move in the match or something, and get back on track because, Jesus, we need some points. Um, yeah, we've um, 
We should have a decent squad. I've not heard of any injuries in the last week or so, I don't believe. So it should be a fairly fit squad. Uh, people have been calling for Jordan Ibe to start the game because of his performance last night against Exeter. Um, yeah, he played pretty well, but they're a League Two side, so let's let's chill on that. Um, hopefully, I don't. I'm not saying I don't want him to start. I'm just saying let's not get ahead of ourselves. He played okay. Um, I think we'll probably go with. I, mean, I think it'll be a fairly unchanged side to United because I don't think anyone's come back. So it'll be Mignolet goal, uh, Klein, Torre, Sacco, and Moreno across the back. Um, it should be a two-man midfield. I'm not sure. This might be the only change. It depends on how Klopp's seen this, but I'd I'd hopefully get Joe Allen into the team. So I'd play Henderson and Emre Jan in the two and give Joe Allen another shot because um, he, he's been played a bit further forward on the Klopp and he's looked a bit more lively like um, compared to when he's been played at the base of a diamond under Rodgers. So um, I wouldn't mind giving Allen another game in the Premier League to see what, he's, uh, what he can do. So maybe behind the striker with... Um, with Ibe on the right, um, Firmino on, up to the left and Benteke up front, but not really too keen on Benteke starting. So hopefully someone else, probably Lallana can start on the left or maybe Lallana start on the right and Ibe on the left with Firmino in the, you know, sort of false nine role because he does operate a bit better than Benteke there. Um, other than that, I can't really see any other changes. Um, I hope... Uh, Zhao Tajera gets on the bench. He played really well last night. Um, obviously, same, same same situation as I, but it was only Exeter. But he, he, I don't, he, he seems to play well in every single game that we've given a, him a chance in, and he just doesn't get a league chance, which is weird because it was the same under Rodgers. Um, maybe my eye for talent is uh, just completely off and he's an absolutely horrible player, but he seems pretty good every time he's played for Liverpool. So, yeah, I hope he gets on the bench. Um Norwich have already get, uh, already drawn with us once this season. Um, I think Russell Martin scored the equaliser for them in like the 75th minute or something. Our goal scorer that day, Danny Ings, sadly injured. Uh, we'll, we've God, we've been missing his um, his hard work up front. I think the season would have been a little bit a little bit different if he'd been our main striker over Benteke, because um, Benteke has been a lot better from the bench, and I'd like to see Ings from the start because when he did play, he did impress me, even though I was sceptical about the signing uh, to start with. Hopefully, we get the win. Um, we're probably going to end up dominating possession, so it's going to be a boring game because when we dominate position, we, uh, possession, we don't we, we don't break the low block of, of the uh, opponents. So it's probably going to be a bit be a bit of a stagnant game to open the weekend. Hopefully, they don't lose because when or drop points because when Liverpool drop points in the twelve forty five kickoff, it just ruins your whole weekend. It ruins, it ruins our whole weekend anyway. Um, so yeah, desperate for them to get. A win, just get. I feel like we've been stuck in the low thirties for weeks and weeks. So, hopefully, get this game, get this game won. We've had a week's rest, um, because we had the kids in midweek. So, there's no excuses. Go out, win the game. Yeah. Uh, next up is our match: Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Uh, Crystal Palace were the only London team that Tottenham did not beat last year. Uh, which was a little ridiculous as we managed don't, to beat... Don't worry, Kev. Apology was starting to apology there. I can, I can see the sign. <laughs> you're, you're starting to feel it? Was it I'm when he said it. that, A, he could fix uh, Adebayor and then said that Connor Wickham's a better forward than Harry Kane? Was it either yeah. of those moments? And, 
and it's it's just the start of like they're not scoring goals and didn't he say I could manage out of Bayor because I managed Ben off you did yeah, not manage you did not you shipped Alan. him off to Hull <laughs> and then he quit on football because he found out he couldn't go to a third club in a year yeah so, <laughs> um, actually it's starting to go wrong there it is starting to yeah, go wrong some fun stats here how many goals do you guys think Crystal Palace have scored in 2016 zero or one no it is zero and if you had to guess Uh, defensively where they finish one to 20 in defensive efficiency where do you think they rank last five in 2016 um uh probably quite low like 18th 19th yeah 17th with eight conceded so this this crystal palace side is you were talking earlier about Watford kind of falling off the pace. This Crystal Palace side is doing very much the same. But, but Pardew, statistically, he has a really good year, year and a half at a club, and then it just goes wrong. It, hmm. it Every single club he's been at. So Although I do think me. the... Uh, hmm, I don't know how to say this nicely. I think the Crystal Palace fans will be a little more gracious about it because <laughs> they're... Am- Man, I'm just going to offend everyone with this. Uh, <laughs> their ambitions are less... Um, Hmm. Part you got a lot of time at Newcastle. I was going to say, more realistic. (laughs) What? (laughs) Palace's ambitions aren't as high as Newcastle's. They shouldn't be where they are. Yeah. There you go. All right, fine. (laughs) We'll we'll go with that. I think Crystal Palace would be fine. I think Crystal Palace are very pleased with where they are at the moment, but I don't think slipping to like 10th or anything like that would be something that they would be necessarily upset about. Uh, but I would agree that they're falling off the pace. We're catching them at a good time. Still no Belasi back. Wickham still just the one goal, which is a certainty that he's going to score at the weekend now that I've said it. Maybe MacArthur coming back to earth a little bit. The defense has not been nearly as strong as it was at the beginning of the season behind Dan and Ward. They're sticking with Hennessy, which I'm not sure I would have done. I think Alex McCarthy is the much better keeper. Obviously less experienced, which is fine. But he did fairly well at the beginning of the season and then lost his spot just because Hennessy was fit. I I don't know. I, I think they probably should have switched to McCarthy. I think that could have been the injection that they needed. Um, but that having been said, uh, these are the kinds of matches that we struggle with. Like I said last year, failed to beat them. Just one point out of four. Four points against them out of the last nine. But I am fairly confident. Fully healthy 11. Stereotypical Lloris, some right back. Alderweireld, Vertonghen, some left back, Dyer, Dembele, Lamela, Ali, Eriksen, Kane. It, it's hard to see us not winning on paper, but you know, London derbies are always interesting. Do you think that Palace are on a bit of a downswing right now? Will this be the week they bounce back, or will we further their slide down the table? Hopefully, the latter. I'm going to go with Tottenham two nil. All right, and next up we have. Uh, Jake talking about Watford versus Newcastle. We talked a little bit earlier about Watford's struggles. Do you think Newcastle will be able to capitalize? Uh, I'd hope so. I mean, I don't know how, how much you've seen of Newcastle in the last month, month and a half, but we, we have certainly been better than what the results have come out. I know, I know it's easy to say that, it's biased and things, but we have been playing really well recently, and we haven't had the results sort of to... To, to show that on the table I think we're falsely in the bottom three whether whether you can ever falsely be in a position I don't know but I, I believe that we're You're a lot going with Mourinho you don't accept the result <laughs> well I, I just think we've been playing really well I, I mean the Arsenal game we absolutely played them off the park at, at the Emirates and we got nothing which was just a huge injustice Manchester United we were unlucky 
the Villa game, they just scored an absolute worldie and we missed chances. Everton, we were unlucky. Yeah, it's just un- if we've just been unlucky. Uh, Steve McLaren says it, and the Newcastle fans get angry at him, but there is sort of some truth to it. This, and But you do need to get results in this league, and l- luckily we did get that three points. We would have been a bit cut off if we didn't at the weekend. But yeah, I, th- I think we've been playing really well, and I think the four- um, Shelby coming into it does give us another dimension sort of to to give us that extra two or three seconds in attack where you can ping that ball over that sort of callback Anita and Chiote can't. It sort of give, gives Yama and Sissoko and Perez a bit more time in the final third. It uh, puts the defences under more pressure, which we saw at the weekend, and hopefully that continues. Um, Alden is playing in the number 10 role, and he's, he's just running games from there. He's run the last three games, been the best player on the pitch every single time, and he's definitely... Just too, he's just such a good player. I, I can't say it enough. Um, I mean, he's, bigger clubs are going to be linked to him. I saw a Liverpool fan on Twitter going, oh, I reckon we should put in a 10 million bid for Wijnaldum. Yeah, because we signed him for more than that. We're going to accept 10. <laughs> he's literally improved since then. So, yeah, but he's a really good player. And if we keep putting him in the number 10 role, like like Tottenham with Ericsson, like you see in the last couple of games, it, you, they just play better in that role. And you, there's just no point take him out of it because mm. they're just not as effective on the wing. So, <laughs> and yeah. Liverpool with Coutinho and Swansea sometimes yeah, with Sigurdsson. Exactly. Just... Everybody loves this. Do you, do you remember yeah. the year when David Silva played on the left and Juan Mata at Chelsea was playing yeah, on the left? It's... Everybody. Oh, and Kagawa United. <laughs> they, uh, stop just, it. Just play them. Huh? They're like, yeah, it's it, they're the best player in your team, so you just put them where you put them where they want to be, and then you think of the team around that because mm. that's that's just how you're going to get the best out of everybody. So, yeah, Watford. Uh, I wasn't impressed with them at Swansea. I, I was hoping they were going to do us a bit of a favour there and keep us out of the bottom three, but they didn't. They looked really bad. And looking at their results recently, they haven't been good. They beat us a couple of weeks ago in the cup, but that, on that day we were the better team. So it's. Hopefully, they, they've beaten us twice this year, though, and that's definitely a, could be a psychological factor for both teams. Watford might be a bit more confident and we might be a bit, you know, a bit more cautious. But, you know, if we're going on going on form, I think we should win this. If we go in, we've got a full strength 11. We've got Elliot in goal, who's been excellent recently. And I, in my eyes, probably should be the long-term uh, number one for this club ahead of Tim Krull, who I'm not a massive fan of. Uh, then you've got the defence that sorts itself out. Um, I think Dummett's got a small injury, but hopefully he pulls through because... We don't have a sub left back, and it was. It was <laughs> you know, it's a bad situation where you're like, hopefully, dumb is okay. <laughs> yeah, but he, he did score a goal the other week, so it was a nice goal. Didn't Vernon so Anita my... used to cover at left back? Yeah, but he's injured, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have Masadio Hidara, he's injured. So we had Colback play, uh, played the last 30 minutes against West Ham there, and I don't think that's really sustainable. So hopefully, he uh, dumb it pulls through, and we'll have Yama. And Bemba Colaccini, who's been excellent recently as well, and uh, Dummer, and then you'll have Chelsea uh, and Cole back in the pivot. Although I wouldn't mind seeing Saiva there um, because I think he, he would provide a bit more uh, cover for the back four, and I think he's a bit better on the ball than Colback, But Colback does put the work in, and he's got the experience in the league, so maybe he's a better option for the moment anyway. Then you'll go with uh, Perez, Sissoko, and Wijnaldum sort of behind the strike of Wijnaldum. Uh, with Wijnaldum in the 10 and then you've got Mitrovic up front it, it just picked itself at the moment until we sign any more players it will become a bit more problematic but yeah I, th- I think I think we we should I, I'd hope we'd win but there's always a part of me that thinks playing a team in bad form you could be the team that it just turns around on and it's yeah I, I think if we win we bring Watford and West Brom right into the mix for relegation if we mm. don't win it I think I yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a concern. This is definitely a game that we should look to win. Yeah. 
on paper, but I don't know. It's it's tough to predict a win. It, Watford are good, but they haven't been good. Right now. Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll go. I'll say we win two one, but if I I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as I think it is in my mind because like it's it's just inevitable that Watford are going to play better than they did against Swansea. Because mm. it's like, oh, we wanted you to win the other day and you were terrible, but then you come play us and you're going to be amazing. That's, that's just what's in my mind. But hopefully that doesn't happen. I think we're going to win 2-1, I'll say. All right. And uh, Gitto, you're going to be facing Everton this week, who have obviously been scoring plenty of goals this season. Do you think Ashley Williams and the boys will be able to keep them out of your net? Well, they've been scoring plenty, but they've also been conceding. Um, they have. An interesting stat about Everton, they've won the same amount of games this season as Chelsea. Which wow. Is, oh, don't they have like 10 draws or something stupid? 11 draws now. 11. That, that draw against Chelsea. <laughs> wait, so, they lost against Chelsea. No, they drew against Chelsea. Oh, wait, the the John Terry backheel was for 3-3? Three, three? Yep, that was 3-3. Three, three. Wow. 3-3. Three, three. They, they were, celebrated they, that much and it was on mute and I assumed it was the fourth this whole time. No, no, that, that, was, <laughs> wow. that, that was three all that, that game finished. So it was uh, crazy. I mean, it's going to be an entertaining game. I, I have no doubt about that, which is going to be quite refreshing because most of Swansea's recent games have been pretty... Well, actually, I say that we, we had a 4-2 against Sunderland and the, the second half against Man United and Old Trafford was pretty entertaining as well. Um, so we, have, um, we haven't been maybe as boring as we think we have been. But um, Everton's one of our big bogey teams along with Spurs... Um, I I don't know if we've ever actually beaten Everton in the league in our entire history. I definitely don't think we've ever won at Goodison Park. Um, so that that is a real bugbear, you know, when you do come up against a team that you always fail to beat. Um, it is always horrible. We did beat them in the League Cup last season, but, you know, the, the League Cup is meaningless. So, you know, that doesn't really count. Um it's it's going to be interesting to see which formation we go with. As I mentioned earlier, we we usually go with either four five one or the diamond. Um, the four five one is usually more attacking because it gives us the width to really take on um, take on teams. Um, whereas with the diamond, we can sometimes be a bit too slow in our build up and a, a bit restrained, really. Um, but obviously, it's a, it's a more conservative formation and it may make it a bit more difficult for Everton to score. Um, my opinion is that Everton are going to score against us, even if we do go for the um, diamond, because they are brilliant in attack. They play some beautiful football, and Lukaku and Delafeu, you know, the, the, and I, I, I really, I, I actually think Ross Barkley's having a good season again. Um, the, these are all players that can that can score against any team in the league. Um, they can definitely score against us. I'd like, I'd actually like to see us go toe to toe with Everton and say. You know, we don't. You know, we, we'll try. We'll try and uh, we, we'll just try and score more goals than you. It seems to be the way the teams beat Everton. And even though we've struggled to score goals this season, Everton seems to be as good a team as any to get two or three goals. Um, I, I so I'd, I'd like to see us really take them on because as you know, Everton fans keep complaining. They are inept defensively. They just cannot keep goals up. They they just make mistakes. They make stupid mistakes. All including Golden Boy John Stones. And, well, yeah, I I really like John Stones. I think he's a, I think he's going to be a brilliant defender, but uh, he's still learning his trade. Um, and uh, I think he'd be better for the mistakes that he makes now by taking risks. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, and he, you yeah. mentioned uh, your record against Everton. Uh, your last three matches against them in the Premier League: nil nil, one one, nil nil. 
It's three yeah. straight draws, and then four matches ago, you beat them in the uh, League, League Cup. Cup 3-0, but yeah, no wins against Everton. No, no, we've, we've, yeah, the last, yeah, you're right, actually, the last few times we have had quite a lot of draws, it's, um, they, they've not been great games either against Everton, as those score lines might, might suggest. <laughs> Two um, out of three matches. Yeah, and that, that one all as well was pretty damn boring, if I'm honest, we were, um, yeah, that, that, that was a pretty fair reflection. Earlier on in the season, I don't know how Everton didn't beat us. Uh, Lukaku missed two absolute sitters before uh, Morales got himself, got himself sent off in the last minute. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, Everton are going to just attack, attack, attack. They're going to leave gaps at the back. I like to see us try and exploit that. That's why I would stick back for Timmy Gomez in. Um, if there's any team that he won't get an offside against, or at least won't be constantly offside against, it's Everton because they do lack that organisation at the back. Um, the I I I'd love to see Modu Barrow start. I don't know why he didn't start against Watford. We were a lot better when he came on. He just he was a sub a super sub for us, but now the rest of the team is a bit less super, so we need to inject his super into the starting lineup. Uh, he's just got this pace that defenders hate, um, and and he just takes them on. Maybe not got uh, the best end product, but sometimes you just need somebody with a lot of pace to run with the ball, and that's what he does. Um, in terms of sort of predictions. I, I struggle to see us winning this game and if I'm honest, if Everton are going to beat anybody, it's us because the teams they've lost to have been teams where they've gone very gung-ho, scored three goals but still lost like they did against Stoke or scored three goals against Chelsea and still draw, uh, drawn or against Bournemouth, they did something similar. I don't think we've got the goal-scoring capacity to score three or four goals if they score three goals. Um, so if, if I was to predict anything, I w- it would be um, something like Everton 3-2 or something like that but I, I definitely see it being a, an exciting game and the good thing is after winning against Watford there isn't that much pressure on us um, to get a win out of this game although I will have a little whinge we are constantly playing after our relegation rivals at the moment So, and, and they're all winning of course Newcastle, Bournemouth, Norwich aren't playing badly at all Sunderland have even started picking up results even Villa for God's sakes so they are all picking up points before us every weekend at the moment, putting so much pressure on us. I'd love for us to have an early Saturday kickoff or just a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, just so that we can play the same time all before our relegation rivals, and then we're not feeling this immense pressure before every single game. Um, and again, we're playing on a Sunday uh, after all our relegation rivals have played, so they're probably all going to win. We're going to start the day off in the relegation zone, and the pressure is just going to be heaped on us when probably shouldn't be but there we go that that's a minor gripe of mine with the uh, uh with the scheduling of our fixtures yep and with that we are uh, super over time so my bad on that but thank you guys for sticking around for the duration both listeners and guests uh but it is now time to tell people where they can find you so if you'd like to tell people where they could uh reach you now be a great time uh if you want to see the latest episode of the jackcast it is up now at the jackcast on twitter uh, you can find me at Zach Forster underscore AI on Twitter. Um, myself and Nick Truss have got an FPL show out, and the latest one is on the Anfield Index channel app, available on the Apple Store. Um, we've actually got an episode with Kev coming up next week, and then a follow-up for one. real this do time. A, a, yeah, for real, it's happening this time. Um, going to do a little verses between the pods, calling it hashtag Pod Wars. 
So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll be pretty fun and you'll enjoy it. Uh, other than that, please follow at AI Fantasy Footy on Twitter, which is where all our FPL news and opinions comes from. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You get my uh, my Twitter is at Jake Jackal with two ends. Um, I write for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football. I've been a bit more active on that recently. I did something on Ville Hainer and his future where he's been linked with Sunderland uh, and Southampton. And I'm going to do something comparing Depay and Wijnaldum and their impact on the Premier League and whether Man United brought the wrong person from PSV. So uh, check that out. It's a really good uh, website for everything Eredivisie and Dutch. Mm. So yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find uh, Tottenham player updates over at playtalga.com. Uh, no stuff from the eaglesbeak.com this week as their site has been down. Hopefully it'll be back up by the time you're hearing this, but no fantasy article from me over there this week. Uh, but if you are, if you, you need to tickle that fantasy itch, uh, feel free to check out the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursdays on this very podcast feed. So be sure to check that one out, me. And Rob Lange been talking all things fantasy. Uh, and then, as Zach mentioned, uh, on our show and their show, we're going to be doing a home and away over the next two weeks. Uh, and so more details will come out with that as we <laughs> know them. Uh, but anyway, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Sorry to everyone for this being a long one. Uh, but it has been a pleasure, as always. And we hope you keep listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.